Welcome back to Bird's Eye View. When it comes to the Orioles, this weekly podcast is your official source for a lack of insight and for baseless opinions. Today is the 4th of September, 2018, and this is episode 252. My name is Jake English. And I'm Scott Magnus. And in this week's show, we'll go around the bases. And I'm, and we're also going to ponder when things will feel different. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. We'll Probably do- never. We'll do all that right after we lubricate the show. That's right. It's time for the drink of the week. Scott Magnus, what are you drinking? Uh, Jake, uh, after watching this team this past weekend, um, I got to say, um, it's just bad out there. But you know, these are just bad guys. These are bad hombres. So I'm drinking a bad hombre from Independent uh, Brewing in Bel Air here. Uh, nice independent uh, Indian pale ale. Um, not too bad. Not too bad at all. It's a great beer. It's a great brewery. You should go check it out if you're in the Bel Air area. And, you know, bad hombres. You have to drink that, Scott. Gotta get them out of here. We're, we're tired of all the yeah. winning. Uh, I am I'm drinking not that. Um, I'm doing it again. I'm drinking a Molson Golden. Right now you are. Premium Not for much longer beer. you won't be. <laughs> Just wait no. till you get the tariffs on that one. Not so much. <laughs> so uh, there's a story here. I a, a mutual friend of ours has turned me on to drinking Molson Golden uh, with crabs. Are you associating with Canadians? No. Maybe. Maybe. Uh, Partially. I, I drink it with crabs, uh, you know, most of the time something, you know, that I'm used to, bow, whatever. But sometimes it's a it's a good pairing with crab. Kind of sweet, uh, cheap Canadian, you know, it just feels right. So instead of drinking a beverage from the uh, Carolina area, passing himself off as a Baltimore brewery, you decided to say, let's go north of the border and support our enemies of the north. It's a bière de qualité, Scott. What? I don't know. I don't speak Canadian. Anyway, if you're interested, <laughs> anybody in, in the White House does either. <laughs> if you're interested, man, we have gone full Baltimore within a minute of the show. Um, if you're interested in seeing what we're drinking on a weekly basis, you can join us on Untapped. I'm at Jake E four zero two five, and I'm at uh, M A G N eight six zero six. And with that, it's time for a checkup. All right, go ahead, Jake. You wanted the segment in here. Is go it, ahead. Is it still okay if we giggle? Actually, no. Scott, I have a great addition okay. to the medical wing. Look, we could talk about Pedro Araujo. We could talk about Richard Blyer. We could talk about Mark Trumbo. We could talk about Gabriel Anoa. But I want to talk about Chris Davis. Chris Davis is day-to-day. He was not in the starting lineup for the third. He's listed with an illness. Well... Our lead Masson writer, Rockabaca, was on the story, and he tweeted out today, Davis feeling better, was weakened by a 48-hour bug, spared us details. Also talked about being honored by second Clemente Award nomination and importance of giving back, hashtag Orioles. I think that this is a misleading tweet. All right, Chris Davis did not need to spare us any of the details having to do with his 48-hour bug, because Chris Davis does not have the runs. I mean, do you really believe, though, that Chris Davis was out of lineup because of him feeling sick? Do you realize how hard, how far I had to go for a runs joke there? I mean, for Chris Davis, I completely un- understand that 
aspect of having to work with it. But I mean, if we count the amount of times that Chris Davis has been out of the lineup for a prolonged period of time, I mean, I'm just trying to think about this. So far this semester, he has been absent nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Nine times. Uh, you win. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> uh, no, nothing else matters in the in the uh, medical wing. But at least we know that uh, Chris Davis uh, is not being graphic with the reporters, even if his play is not safe for work. Yes. Uh, I, I seem to have gone early to the Twitters, Scott, but can we go? Can we do this week on the Twitters? 280 characters or less this week on the Twitters. Folks, enjoy it before it's gone because the days are clicking by. This tweet comes from the Baltimore Orioles at Orioles. I've they, heard of them. They tweet simply grand at simply AJ10. Hashtag Birdland. 3-1 delivery on the way. Got it in! And did he get it out? Way back! And goodbye! Home run! A grand slam home run by Adam Jones! And the Orioles lead it 5-4. As I tweeted earlier this week, inject that video into my veins. During this winter when Adam Jones ceases to be a Baltimore Oriole anymore. Jake, we've talked about this before for other players. We're watching the swan song of Adam Jones on this team. And we need to appreciate great moments like Adam Jones had this past week against the Toronto Blue Jays because we don't know if we're ever going to see that ever again. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I remember distinctly watching Brian Roberts for the first time. I remember distinctly watching Nick Marquez knowing it would be the last time. Luis Matos. (laughs) J.J. Hardy. I went to his last game at Camden Yards, and I remember distinctly, this is it. Um, You know, we went to Brad Bergerson. (laughs) I don't don't remember that. I don't... don't, uh, we were actually at Garrett Atkins last game. That's that's a name. Number yeah. 27, first base. Yeah. Not any good. Yeah. Could have been anybody. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. No, you're right. It, it's important for us to, to watch Adam Jones for all that he is. I want to uh, I want to put a, a point out a good, solid tweet here. This comes from John Batello at John Batello SJ. Uh, this is in response actually to a tweet from jay jaffe so i'm going to read two uh jaffe was responding to a fan graphs uh tweet about byron buxton and the uh twins working through his uh september service time uh, issues um and john uh Botello tweeted as follows this is baseball's biggest problem and not the pace of play I would buy a ticket to a major league game to see the first glimpse of Guerrero right now. The Blue, Jay- the Blue Jays are playing a washed-up catcher at third base. That product will drive away more fans than a game going over three hours. I think it's a solid point. I think when we talk about the things that are wrong with baseball, we're not spending enough time remembering the things that people love about baseball. And if we gravitate to those things and promote them, I think it's a lot easier to solve problems than gravitating towards the things that we think people don't like about the game. Yeah, the problem with this, though, is this costs money. So this is an absolute not going to happen until the Players Association says we are okay with basically giving more money out to players. Yeah. So love the idea. Um, Completely agree that I would rather go up and see um, some individuals that, you know, need to be on the 40-man roster but are not chosen because the lowest service time. But, uh... It's not going to happen because ultimately the game is a business, just like any sports that is a more major league aspect. Um, 
great sentiment, completely optimistic, um, but unfortunately does not strive into the reality, which is commercialism. Scott. Yeah. It's 2018. Yeah. The Orioles are awful. Yeah. You don't need to crush my dreams anymore. Okay. We'll do. All right. Next tweet comes from Guadzilla, friend of the program, uh, number one podcaster for the Baltimoreans now. Um, First string. JT tweets as follows. O2012, you were a better time. And it is a tweet from 2012 um, from JT Guads with Billy Ripken on the top of it. Looks like an eight-foot ladder. Putting a bird on the AL East, the top of the AL East. And Billy Ripken getting his geek on on September 4th, 2012. Very nice. Very nice. Those were the good old days. I disagree. I, I think that social media reminders are just heartbreaking now. Like my Facebook feed back when I used to use that platform is nothing but fond mem- fond memories of 2012 through 2014 and wretched memories from like 2010 to 2011. I disagree entirely. You know, when you look back on photos from 2012, you can see photos of, you know, all the great memories that happened in 2012, such as the Orioles and your, your daughter not being in middle school. So it was a great time, okay? Stop kicking me <laughs> while I'm down, Scott. The Orioles are terrible in 2018. Ugh. All right. Um, let's see. Oh, this is a tweet that demands more attention. More attention for the serious issues. And don't you dare stomp on my dreams this time. Uh, Pinocchio. I don't know Thank what that pardon? means. I don't know what that means. At Sam Knight underscore one, Knight with a K. Can you imagine how irritating Beatles Twitter would have been? And also how obnoxious Rolling Stones Twitter would have been in response? First of all, I think I'm kind of holding down the fort for Twitter's, uh, for, for Beatles Twitter. I, I think this is me you're talking about, Mr. Pinocchio, And I don't appreciate it. I do agree with him. Beatles Twitter would be super annoying. It would just be screaming. It would be nothing but screaming. It would be, um, it would be like the Taylor Swift's, like Swifties out there right now. Um, what would you, what would you call the the Beatle Twitterers? The slice breads. <laughs> oh goodness! <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna workshop that one. We'll come back next week and decide what Beatles Twitter. Hey, if you listeners, if you want to tell me what Beatles Twitter would be called, uh, or the Beatles t- Twitterers, let me know. Twitter rivers. All right. Our next tree comes from Ryan Pollock. You can follow him at ryry9379. We need a statement from MLB on why this happened. Whether it will happen again and teams near clear guidance on rules policies so they can all operate weekly. This is, of course, in reference to Austin Davis being uh, taken away his crib notes by uh, Joe West. Uh, interesting exchange here. Um, Aaron, Austin Davis had been using these notes the entire season, but Joe West decided to saunter on over and say, hey, I don't like the way that you're uh, pulling those notes out of your pocket. Why don't you go ahead and give them to me and stop passing notes in the classroom? He shoved it into his fourth neck and held on to the uh, notes for the rest of the class. Uh, What are your feelings on the use of uh, cheat sheets in baseball? Does it uh, cause um, a foreign substance to be placed onto the ball? No. Uh, Then I have no issue. Yeah, me neither. No issue. I mean, think about it. I, I believe that I've seen catchers with the NFL quarterback style uh, wrist items. Sure. Why not? Right. I mean, they go into the dugout. They, you know, 
get their iPads or whatever and they have their meetings with the coaches, they come back out. Why not have them write it down? If we are going to be of the situation where we're asking for pace of play to be um, pick, picked up, basically, um, what is so hard about a pitcher specifically reaching the back of the back and saying, okay, this is how I need to approach this batter, as opposed to having a sign basically sent from the dugout to the catcher, from the catcher to the pitcher, and then a conference at the back. Right. And then three mound <laughs> visits to make sure they get it right. No, I, I agree. I think this is madness. And uh, it's not just because it's Joe West, although that does help. Right. Um, Scott, I was disappointed this week with the performance of one of our own. And I need to uh, I need to take one of our dear Orioles to task. This is a tweet that comes from Masson Orioles, at Masson Orioles. Uh, mid-game noms. Smiley face with tongue sticking out. I think that's how you read that. I think so. Uh, it's a gif of uh, VR jumping up on a tarp in what I assume is Kansas City and then stealing some food from an unsuspecting fan. You know, sometimes you see this in a highlight. And it's like, ah, ha, ha, ha. This was not one of them. I felt like it was a little contrived. I felt like he was trying too hard. And I felt like, uh, you know, he wasn't laughing with the fan. Mm. That happens in Camden Yards. I'm down with it. I didn't do it for me vr and so i'm i don't like it what you don't realize there jake is since you didn't watch the series this weekend um that was actually rummy bears in that person's hand all better all better it's fixed yeah, exactly you fixed it for me look see you can do this just when i'm down in the dumps you lift me up scott you lift me up i try really hard so jake i'm going to bring you right back down let's go around the bases and get sad All right, folks, we're going to go around the bases uh, this evening, and we're going to stroll on over to first base because we just got hit by a pitch. And uh, we're going to talk about what we wanted to see with September call-ups, and we're going to think about how did we do. And by that, we mean how did the Orioles do? So there's been a few promotions uh, this past week. Oh, promotions. That always puts butts in the seats. That's awesome. Absolutely. So we have Chance Disco coming up. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Jimmy Yacobonis coming up. Sure. Uh, Luis Ortiz was actually called up this evening. And you called that. Of course, but I mean, that was kind of known with the whole roster manipulation. And then the big signing or big bring up was Bravik the Destroyer coming up. I'm sorry, who? Bravik the Destroyer. Yes. 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 If nothing else brought me joy in Orioles baseball this week, it was Bravik Valera. Yes. Just so that we would have Bravik the Destroyer talk. Uh, And Bravik, by the way, did destroy. He was very, very destructive. Uh, unfortunately, he was destructive uh, in the field with a, with an error, uh, allowing some of the runs. Look, Vikings are sloppy, okay? They just rush into the situation. They don't really think, so. <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. All right, so <laughs> Bravik the Destroyer is around. We're going to see him a little bit. Um, Chance Cisco. I I feel like we've just got to see Cisco wins, Cisco wins, Cisco wins, and we're move not, on from there. But we're not. Maybe we're, we're, I think we're just going to see... You know, the constant Caleb Joseph, Chancisco, Austin wins, and the occasional one will, guy will come in as, you know, a pinch hitter or a pinch runner when necessary, but it's not going to be 
the situation of trying to figure out who is going to be part of the routine for 2019. I know that you're right. I just can't think of any reason why that would be the case. I can't. Yeah. I can't. Um, all right. So Jimmy Akabonis is up, as yep. we, we talked about. Um, I, I do look forward to watching him pitch because I, I want to see if he's a piece. Do you? I like, do. Do you really think he's a piece, though? No, I okay. don't. I, but I want to I want be sure. It's it's like here's what concerns me about Jimmy Yakabonis is I know it's going to happen. We're going to see Jimmy Yakabonis come out and start at least maybe two games in September. And he's going to pitch okay. And folks are going to say, "Hey, maybe he's a starter for next year." And we're going to have Miguel Castro 2.0 because honestly, us Orioles fans are looking for anything we can find at this point that might be savory. Jimmy Yacobonis is not savory. Dan Clark put his stamp of approval on this. This immediately disqualifies him as being anything of value for this team moving forward. Jimmy Yacobonis is... He has sullied him, okay? I I can explain. I can explain my interest. I feel like, at this point, Jimmy Yacobonis is the carton of milk you pull out of the fridge, you give it a whiff, and you go, oof. And then you turn to the nearest person and you go, here, smell this. Right? That's your instinct. Your instinct is... For somebody else to tell you that that's rancid and should be thrown away. And that's Jimmy Yacobonis. We we need the second sniff. That's all. You know, Jimmy Yacobonis is my candidate of could he be the next Richard Blyer? Of, I don't know this guy, but he actually has a serviceable bullpen arm. Miguel Castro is not that person anymore. I don't want that to be the case. I don't want to have to depend on Jimmy Yacobonis, but I, I do. Do you want to reply, rely on Miguel Castro going forward? No. Do you want to reply, rely on uh, Michael Givens going forward? Stop making me sad, Scott. Look, there's only a few good names left for the Baltimore Orioles. Paul Fry, Richard Blyer. And Bravik the Destroyer. That's a great name. No, it's a great name. I can't even give it to Bravik the Destroyer, so it's just a name. I'd rather see Mountcastle than It's not this. just a name. It's a legend, Scott. Yeah. He builds up a legend. So sad. So sad. All right. Well, we're going to take the error that the Orioles just made and go ahead and go over to second base now. Um, I'm really excited about this one. Yeah. I'm really, I did not watch the Royals series. Yeah. Uh, so I want to ask you a series of questions as a, as a non-Royals-Orioles Sure. Series watcher. Sure. Second base, we're going into the Toilet Bowl, bowl Series, which is the Royals versus the Baltimore Orioles this past weekend. <laughs> the Toilet Bowl. Um, I assume that this was a series that was very evenly matched between two terrible teams. No. 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 Only Saturday's game was, and uh, Saturday's game ended in a walk-off home run uh, given up by, I believe it was Michael Givens, actually. Okay, so <clears throat> just just so I could be clear. The Royals are the next closest team to being the worst team in baseball. Yes, by the record. And you're telling me that the series wasn't even close. Wasn't even close from a talent level standpoint. So it wasn't Royals devil magic. It wasn't, it wasn't, they were just outclassed. Uh, Speed, defense, eh, okay hitting, but speed and defense. Orioles need not these things. Yes. Huh. Well, that's disappointing. And, but I'll bet you you were excited about all the fans who were totally stoked because they were rooting for bad things to happen for this Bobby Wood Jr. guy. Sure. I, I'm glad they're happy. That, just, just like the uh, home run record in July right. or whatever. 
I'm glad everyone is happy that we are going to get the the number one draft pick, and you know that's perfectly fine. I, I just don't think it's as it's that big of a deal between number one and number two. Um, but I'm glad everyone is fully committed to you know not winning more than 45 games this season. I think ESPN screwed up. I think this should have been the national game to watch. They should have shoved this on Sunday Night Baseball somehow, fiddled with the schedule, did whatever they had to do to put these two teams on national television just to shame them. I'm not sure if Kansas City could actually afford the electricity to uh, satisfy that <laughs> to occur. But uh, an absolutely horrific series. Were people in the stands to watch that series? Yeah, there, there were people that actually paid money um, to go and attend this, but not not heavily attended series. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of actually wonder what was the average ticket price and stub up for that series. I'm thinking it was like three bucks. That's brutal. Absolutely horrible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to uh, take the overthrow from catcher back to the pitcher into center field, and we're going to go from second base to third base. All right, that's that's cool. We we mentioned uh, yesterday uh, that we pushed the episode back a day to enjoy the dying last gasp of summer 2018. Now, we both have a pair of school-aged children and spouses who teach, so back to school is a very serious business in the Magnus in the English household. Sure. Uh, so thank you, dear listener, for your patience. Um, but, you know, the the return of the school year is important for so many reasons when it comes to the Orioles. And the first is that, you know, we just have to address the elephant in the room. Uh, now with the kids back in school, attendance is going to take a very precipitous dip. There's just uh, – no, I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't I can't say it with a straight face. I can't So we're going to go from 9,000 people down to 6,000 people? Yeah. 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 Or, you know, you know, there will be more distractions in the evenings with the kids and their homework, you know, so sitting down in front of the, mm. no, I, no, I can't, I can't do that either. In fact, it's getting to the point where I might punish my children uh, by making them watch the Orioles. But back to school, you know, it makes me think if I had to send these Baltimore Orioles back to school for some remedial studies, yeah. who would I send and to where? So, you know, I've, I've gone through the course catalog. Um, you know, the, the Birdland course catalog. Uh, I've looked at how many credits each of our players has. And I think that what I, is the most ridiculous class that you took when you were in, uh, let's call it high school, high school. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, if you count four years of Russian as ridiculous, that's, that's absolutely ridiculous. Probably one of them. Um, also I went to Catholic school, so I took classes like sacraments. Beg your pardon? Yeah. It's a Catholic thing. Don't worry about it. Okay. In, in college, I took a course called meaning and purpose of the arts. I think anyone that went to like a liberal arts school kind of had to do that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty bad. I took statistics, which is like, you know, black magic. Oh. For, for Catholics, that's probably is the case. <laughs> no, no, I passed. It was black magic. Gotcha. Um, but we so, you know, looking through the, the course catalog, let's just take a look at some players and uh, where we would need to send them. First and foremost. Do you mind if I play some music for you? Absolutely. OK, let's let's play some music. All right. Can you imagine what the Chuck Berry Twitter would be like? Uh, be rough. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna point probably, out a couple. Probably a bunch of underage girls, but <laughs> no, inappropriate. All the tweets would sound the same. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we're still talking about Catholicism here. <laughs> um, there are a couple players who are a couple fine arts credits short of graduation. Sure. And those two are Mark Trumbo and Alex Cobb. All right. They need to go back for some 
creative writing, maybe a drawing class, because they don't have the creativity no, 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 no. required. Trumbo needs to be going back for a culinary class. <laughs> yes, but... <laughs> But because they were unable to come up with entertaining uh, nicknames, it makes me think that the, the creative spark inside of them has gone out. Okay. And so we need, you know, we need to send them to sculpture or underwater basket weaving or something to bring that back. All right. So another one, kind of uh, in a similar class. Uh, we're big Harry Potter fans. Absolutely. Um, charms class. So who needs to learn a little bit about charms and how to like? Get their way out of a, a bad situation. I got this. I actually have this. Okay. Uh, and Harry Potter aficionado on the Orioles. Okay. Resident Hufflepuff. Resident Hufflepuff. <laughs> Mike Wright Jr. Oh. And here's the here's the reason. Mike Wright needs to go back to charms. And yeah. I'm thinking first year charms. Yeah. Because when he puts the ball in the air, he can't control it. And I think the reason is because he's saying Leviosa and oh. not Leviosa. Yeah, you got to really pronounce it. Really Maybe do. your wife can help him with that as another resident Hufflepuff. Uh, philosophy class. Uh, maybe we could have John Andrioli go go to this class. I like this, and I and I think the reason for this, and I, you're exactly right. But the problem with John Andrioli is in philosophy, he'll get to answer the question, "Why any of us exist?" And I wonder why John Andrioli exists on this team. Yeah. So it's it's a really philosophical problem. I don't even think it's the matter of exists. It's why are we here? Yes. Yes. Why are we here? It's the constant age-old question of why are we here? And John Andrioli and the rest of Berlin is asking, why are you here, John Andrioli? But all he can answer himself with is, I stink, therefore I am. Exactly. Uh, another one going back into the Harry Potter vaults, transfiguration. So what could we do in order to improve uh, a certain player that was in one shape and basically transfigure him into another shape? So I think we need to start with a decent mold here. So... My recommendation is to take Michael Givens and transfigure him back into being a shortstop for the Baltimore Orioles. Look, his Ooh. original form was shortstop. He transfigured himself into a pitcher. That didn't really work out so well, so now it's time to go back to the original form of being a shortstop. The Orioles need the defense. Why not see if Michael Givens can be that that shortstop for them? Can I tell you why I'm proud of you? Okay. Because when I saw this in the show notes originally, I thought this was going to be a Pokemon Go reference. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Um, I, let, me, let me take one here. Would you like me to work on that? Yes. Absolutely. Okay. You know that I, you know, I, I was the liberal arts uh, of the two of us. Went to a D.C. school that was strong in public policy and international politics. And so when I think of international politics and you know, foreign relations, there is someone within the organization that really needs to brush up. And that, of course, is Dan Duquette. I mean, with the dust-up that he had in, in South Korea and the trying to, to close the doors to international markets, I mean, he's basically started a trade war with the rest of Bit. Wait, no. no. Dan Duquette needs to take a few uh, 101 international relations courses. Look, and for as much as I want to send some of these guys back to classes, they're all really busy. So we need to have little short how-to books occasionally just as kind of a reference going forward. So I was going through and I found this one book and it's 11 tips to help you manage millennials, which would seem appropriate right now in this given work age. Um, and I'm going to give that to Buck Showalter going forward because, you know, if he's going to stick around and he's going to be managing all these 20 somethings, he's going to be able to have to deal with that millennial generation. That's a whole lot of standing desks. Scott. It is a whole lot of standing desks. It's all about the ergonomics. 
All right. Well, now that we are ergonomically uh, designed, uh, let's go ahead and just meander into home plate. So, Jake, I asked you this question, and it, I, I actually learned this through talking to John Andrioli through his philosophy class. Jake, when will things be different for the Baltimore Orioles? Yes, this is a kind of an open-ended question, and we've talked about this in the past of what the Orioles need to do. But at what point are we going to say, yes, the Orioles have made the necessary changes to be a different team? Look, they made the easy moves of saying, we need to get rid of a Manny Machado. Mm -hmm. We need to get rid of a Darren O'Day. The hardest move they really made was getting rid of Kevin Gaussman. Um, And that was the one that we look back at now and say, was that really a good deal or not? Time will tell. But I think going into the future and going into 2019 and in the future, there has to be some precipitous moment that makes me think, oh, the Orioles are potentially going to be different. I go back to season one of Bird's Eye View in 2012, and we continue to say, no, we're not buying this. We're not buying this. And eventually we got to the point where we started buying it in August of that year because the team started to come together. Manny Machado came up for the team that played some really good baseball. So, Jake, I ask you, when will you know things are different with this team and what actions do they need to take make to make you think that, hey, they're making the right moves to be in contention in the next three to five years? That's a really hard question. And and let me start stalling by saying this. Um, I think that because the margin of error is so small for this team, like they have so little to work with, that I feel like every minor setback will be magnified right i feel like we as fans and i'm not i'm not saying that this is a you know we shouldn't but we as fans are so tuned in to mistakes that the the organization has made and are just waiting for the next one to the point where i don't know how it's gonna how i will feel like things are different because even i think when the team is going in the right direction i think i'm gonna be the type of fan that is you know, least likely to say, oh, things are great, you know, because plenty of people are willing to delude themselves. Sure. Right. It happens all the time. We're in a horrible year and people are still finding nice things to say about something. I don't know. But fans want that. You know, fans want to wake up and feel like they've turned the corner. The right. Orioles have. So I don't know. I, I think that the the things that that will make a difference is when you start to see a pattern within the front office where you can see solid decision-making and see that backed up by results, right? Like you need to see, oh, they could have gone this way. They could have gone that way. They went this way and things turned out okay. And at first that's going to be anecdotal, but they need to, they need to show us, you know, they need to prove it a little bit. They need to have a couple of wins. And even if that is luck, it needs to happen before I'll feel like I can start giving them the benefit of the doubt again. I like what you said um, specifically about the show because I am a very much of the aspect, and Baltimore is very much a show me kind of city and town. Show beats tell. Um, and I think the one way they can do this is uh, they can put their money where their mouth is. They can go out and uh, spend international money, go get a Victor Victor Mesa. They can go get that number one draft pick. Um, hopefully, have it be a top ten prospect uh, going into next year. Um, they can continue to go out and you know proliferate in um, you know the international uh, free agency through years to come. 
But I think they need to do a better job of specifically pulling the curtains back and no longer playing this game of pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I think it's time that um, people are aware of the uh, fallacies and the issues that are prevalent in the warehouse. And I think it may be time instead um, to maybe pull back that curtain of the warehouse and basically say, here is what we are doing. And to a certain regard, do a little bit of internal marketing to their fan base of here is what we're doing to try to succeed. And this is why we're doing this. So I like that. Let me just play devil's advocate sure. for a second. Uh, first, I think it is possible in this industry uh, to make the right decision and still get burned. Mm-hmm. Right. They could make all the right kinds of investments. Sure. In the international market and just come up snake eyes. Absolutely. Right? They could do it for 14 years. But, you know, let's say they go out and they get Victor Victor Mesa and he turns out to be a bust. Right. Right. I, I want to see the approach. Right. right? But the, the other the other thing I wanted to ask you is this. Do you think that well-run clubs, the Astros, the Cardinals, the, the Yankees, whoever you want to call it. Sure. Do you think that they're more transparent than the Orioles? Uh, so here's what I would say to this. Um I'm, t- I'm going to pick three teams okay. that um, have been uh, interesting, let's call it uh, advanced metrics and also kind of revolutionary. Uh, we have the Rays, um, who have been completely closed mouth and have not told anybody what they're doing. Uh, you have the Astros, who actually have been very forthright of terms of doing what they're doing, both in Sabre conferences, um, kind of going out and do opening consultation. Um, in fact, they even you know let... The Cardinals tried to hack them at one point, so <laughs> that was a serious hackathon. <laughs> right, that was a serious hackathon. Um, but the Astros have been very much parlayed to kind of describing um, what they are trying to do and what they're trying to accomplish, and by doing so, it has intrigued certain people within the given baseball community to say, "That's a group that I want to work with." When you hold your cards so close to your chest, then it's a situation where you know maybe you're like, "I don't know what those guys are doing," so I don't know if I really buy what they're pitching. And then you've got the Cubs, and the Cubs right now are actually putting out a, a, a social media documentary specifically called, I think it's called like Between Five Days or something like that, where they're actually going to go through their entire rotation um, and go through how a pitcher prepares both through strength and conditioning and also video scouting in order to prepare for that next start. And sure, it's not going to be a situation where they put all their cards on the table and say, this is exactly how we're going to approach this hitter. But I think it is like any single time you look at a video that is made by um, a, 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 a business or a corporation, they give you just enough to tease you and buy you buy in saying that's a company I want to invest in, but they don't share all their intellectual property. So you say, I can carbon copy and do exactly what they're doing. I guess my question is, is Dan Duquette following the Cubs on social media? Uh, I bet you he is, but I would come back and say, this kind of comes back to the point that why I know there is not going to be a difference at this time is when I look at a Duquette and I look at a Showalter and I look at anybody else that's currently in the front office, no one is making those dynamic moves, um, to completely shake up the given direction of the team. And it's why we're left with people like Antonelli getting service time right now and views over a player like Cedric Mullins for really no good reason. There's going to have to be a massive shakeup. And like you said, a massive shakeup could be 
to a certain regard disastrous and it could have you know terrible results but that being said there really can be no that thing worse than what we have seen this season we joked about it earlier in the season saying oh there's no way the Orioles are going to continue to be this bad we said if they were to finish this season they'd finish with like 43 wins and there's no possibility that would ever happen folks it's possible that could actually happen so the Orioles need to do something revolutionary they need to completely change um, the political and personal dynamics. Um, you know, this is an opportunity to do so. This is an opportunity for ownership to really say, here's what we're doing to change things up. Um, and, you know, I will be, that's when I would actually buy into what the Orioles are doing. So let me ask you, and I'm, I'm going back to bird's eye view year one here. <clears throat> is this, is this more of an analytical or a gut reaction? My question is, is based on this. I feel like emotionally I'm with you. Like, I just want to see that it's going to be different. Like, show me that you're going to not screw up for once. But my head says, you know what? I don't care how the sausage gets made. If you're back in, behind the curtain and winds come out from underneath the curtain, do whatever it is that you're doing back there. But, yeah, but I, I, that's also an emotional response. I see what you're getting to at that point. But I think that we're in such an age where it is so easy to put out content and we already know that the brand of the Baltimore Orioles is so much damaged at this point. Why not build your brand up and really target that audience that you're looking to buy into for the next five to 10 years and really tailor it to, I hate to say it, but the millennial generation and say, we're going to put out a bunch of digital content to get people to buy into this belief. We may not get that 50 or 60 year old to basically buy in and look at this digital content. But we want people to buy into the flashy gimmick, which is the Baltimore Orioles, and hopefully it succeeds. Okay. Okay. Here's here's a follow-up question. Sure. What will the bellwethers be? How will oh, – we, we'll know how we feel about the team. Yeah. But I feel like there are some external indicators of when we can expect that the team is doing things differently. And I want to be careful here because I'm going to bring up the national media, but I don't mean this in the Baltimore chip on the shoulder way. I really don't. Sure. The national media, uh, sports media, loves the story. Yes. Right? Baseball is different than a lot of sports because it tells a narrative in a way that so few do. And I think that, uh, you know, outlets will be desperate for the Cinderella story of the I think once – you see networks or publications start saying the Orioles are doing what the Astros or the Cubs or the Yankees are doing. That'll be the Cinderella story. I also think that the way we'll really know is when they start saying about other teams that they're doing it the way the Orioles did. Right. Right. You look at the way some bullpen construction happened sure. over the last couple of years and, you know, some of the teams that did it the best, the Yankees and the Royals the commentary was they're doing the Oriole thing. Right. And say what you will about that particular example, but I think that's another indicator of how they're being viewed in the industry. Sure. But also there's some success that has to be borne out there. So, you know, I, I we can't we can't necessarily trust the uh, echo chamber of the Orioles media community. And I don't know about you, but I certainly can't trust my own emotions because this team makes me crazy. Yeah. I think the real thing will be you know, when we start seeing, we start hearing analogies. Yeah, it'll be a situation where 
the baseball community, and I'm not talking about the Berlin community, I'm talking about the external baseball network and the infrastructure will basically be equating it to they've got a framework that is similar in structure to what other clubs are doing. Because right now, the Orioles are on their own little island, and certainly that island has sunk. Scott, I have some bad news for you. Okay. We've we've gone all the way around the bases. Uh, we were just tagged out at home. To be fair, we actually went out the baseline at first base, and we were immediately called out, but we didn't realize it, and we actually circled the bases. Oh, that's... That's even more sad. (laughs) All right. Well, let's find out who is good, who is bad, and who is ugly this past week in Birdland. That's right, folks. It's time for the good, the bad, and the ugly. And believe it or not, we actually have some good this week. No. Yeah. Jake, why don't you go ahead and start us off? All right. Well, you got me. Scotty, I, uh, not even I can be down about this team this week because there is some good. And Scotty, I just want to shout it from the rooftops. The secret weapon! Craig Gentry was great this week. Man, I cannot wait to see more of that guy. Listen to this stat line. All right, he had 156 weighted runs created plus. He had a 364 average. His on-base percentage was almost 400. And Scotty, he only struck out 8.7% of the time in 23 plate appearances, meaning not negligible time. Craig Gentry getting it done. Can't wait to see more of this guy. Um, so I, I know that you took off a little bit of time this week. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, the Orioles released Craig Gentry. Uh, <clears throat> like into the wild? Uh, like they took him off the roster. So he's no longer with the, with the Orioles anymore. But, but he was the secret weapon. Buck shares your sympathy. He was the chosen one. I loved him like a brother. Well, he gone. So my good for the week is going to go to Adam Jones, um, mainly for that awesome Grand Slam, which when you're down four to one and you hit a Grand Slam to go up five to four and you end up winning that game, uh, he'll get my good for the week. 176 weighted runs created plus 429 on base percentage. Adam Jones, do your thing. Keep it up for the rest of September. I'd love to see you get a big contract from somebody this 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 winter. It's just not going to be from the Orioles. So Adam Jones, my good for the week. Jake, go ahead. All right, let me uh, let me go to the bet. Scott, I'm having trouble here. Okay, having trouble deciding. Um, and when that happens, there's only one thing to do. Scott Magnus, let's go to the wheel. I'm so excited. It could be anybody. Come on, Sean Gilmartin. Sean Gilmartin. Sean Gilmartin. Sean Gilmartin. Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, no. 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 Oh. Uh, you know, I had my money on uh, on Michael Givens, but it's it. the wheel has spoken. We're going to go to uh, Jeffrey Ramirez. Jeffrey Ramirez. Um, in, I, I like Jeffrey better. <laughs> me too. In just two, two outs, in point two innings pitched, he, uh, he gave up two earned runs. 
why even be on this roster? Why be here? In fact, you need to go to philosophy class as well. Um, but I will give a stern talking to everyone else who was on that wheel. The only reason Jeffrey Ramirez is bad this week is because the wheel has spoken. All right. My bad for the week is going to go to Kayla Joseph in 13 plate appearances. Did nothing. What? He did nothing. Zero on base percentage, zero average, zero slugging, zero WOBA, zero weighted runs created plus, zero across the board. Craig Gentry walked on water this week. How did he not get DFA'd? Yeah. Well, Caleb Joseph, he's still here. So, Caleb Joseph, you're my bad for the week. I, I don't understand. Okay. All right. Fine. Um, ugly. You would think that there's plenty to talk about in Baltimore when it gets the, uh, it gets the ugly category. But, Scotty, I'm going to take a step away from the Orioles. That's usually a good idea. And my ugly for this week is going to go to the Toronto Blue Jays. I ask you, Scott, how bad do you have to feel about yourself to get swept by the worst team in baseball? A team that you handily defeated just last week. Scott, everyone must look at the Orioles on their schedule and think, yes, this is an easy set of wins. The Blue Jays got swept by the Baltimore Orioles and in convincing fashion. 7 to nothing, 12 to 5, 10 to 5. What kind of team loses to the Orioles? A team that plays Russell Martin at third base. <laughs> that is a serious problem with baseball. That is my ugly for this week. Jake, my ugly for this week is going to go to the chalkboard that adorns your house. <laughs> oh, no. The funny thing is, is that I suspected it was me because when you make that face, it's usually me. Jake, every single time I walk by this chalkboard, I grimace looking at it. And when I look at it now and it says 40 wins and it remains pretty much at 40 wins. And I come back into the house again and it still says 40 wins. I just really want to rip the freaking board off the wall and never look at it again. You almost had the coin sound, my friend. <laughs> almost. Uh, the funny thing is, is that I don't update it every day anymore. And so now every couple of days I go and update it. And Henry comes running. And he's like, oh, hey, did they? No. Oh. So, Jake, looking at the board right now, 40 wins, 98 losses. The ugliness is we're going to be crossing the 100 loss plateau. I never thought coming into the 2017 season or the 2018 season that this team would be as bad as they were. 2017, they were worse than I thought they were going to be. And now in 2018, they've reached a level that I couldn't even fathom. We joked around uh, briefly um, at the beginning of the season saying, yeah, they're going to get to 100 losses. Joked around? Oh, you're going to take that that prediction away from me? I am. Oh, man. I am going to take that away from you. Because in reality, Jake... They're probably going to be well over 100 losses. <laughs> that was me being optimistic. And as much as we like to joke of, well, maybe they'll get to 50 wins. And we were doing that earlier in July. There's no chance the Orioles get to 50 wins. At best, they get to 45 wins. And it's hard to imagine a team only winning 45 games in the entire season. I bet you if we went back and looked at 2012 we probably had 45 wins throughout August and September. I bet you that's the case. Mm. This is the ugly bird land. This is absurd land. 
This is absurd land. And hopefully it doesn't get any worse than what we're seeing right now. Oh, but it probably will be. Man. Yeah. That's brutal. Can we can we do something? Sure. I don't, I don't care if it's just you and me. Yeah. Can we hold a wake when yeah. the Orioles hit 100, 100 losses? We, 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 you know what? I, I don't think we should do it when we hit 100 losses. But what I do think we should do is for our last show of the season, I think we need to hold a wake. Um, so Birdland, we're looking for recommendations for where you would like to hold a wake somewhere in the Baltimore area. We will probably get together. We will probably have a live show. We will probably have a bunch of drinks um, of the week. And we will remember this golden era, which was Birdland from 2012 through 2008. It'll just be Sarah McLaughlin on repeat, right? Yeah. In the arms of an angel. <laughs> Fly away with me. Uh, and yeah. then we'll kill a puppy. Oh, <laughs> too I, far? Too, too, <laughs> too far. Uh, wow. Yeah, no, we should, we should absolutely hold awake. Like, it's clear that the Orioles' uh, window of contention is closed. This moment is now upon us, and we need to just – we need to remember the good times. We need to tell some stories. We need to cry a little bit with other grown men and and ladies, and we need to uh, – yeah, I, I want to hold awake. So listen, um, we've been doing this a while, and um, this is really tough on us. Um, so we're asking you to help out in this situation. If you would like to help out and basically uh, help us get this whole thing straightened out, uh, reach out to us at contact at birdseyeviewbaltimore.com. We are looking for a few people to put us in our place and get us to the right place. You, you need an event planner is what you need. Uh, yeah, for, that does it for free. No. So, yeah. It's got to – we'll be there with microphones and a system to broadcast our podcast, but uh, that that's about it. That That's all you're going to get out of us. Can we uh... – can we blow the safe? Uh, we can blow a safe. So, Scotty, I, it's a season of wonders. Yeah. Wonders never cease with the Orioles. They can, they can do anything this year to make me sad. And so, in that spirit... I'm going to do something wonderful here. I'm going to blow two games in the same save. Okay. I have two two quick things for you. First, uh, you noted that I've taken a little bit of time off from the Orioles. Uh, it's that last gasp of summer thing. Been hanging out with the family a lot. Uh, fewer ball games on TV, and the ones that we have watched have been <clears throat> dis- disappointing. It's summer song. <laughs> it's the summer song. Um, so I uh, I'm cheap. I don't like spending the monies, and my uh, PlayStation Three blew up. Uh, no longer played games. Actually, it, it still worked for uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and streaming, which is what we usually use it for. But my wife twisted my arm. She said, no, you should you should get a new gaming system. I was like, okay, cool. So I bought it, but I don't buy new games because why spend $60 when you can spend you know three on something that's new to you? So I am rocking the 2016 version of MLB The Show. Okay. And this is, this is troubling as an Orioles fan for a couple of reasons. Okay. First, uh, they don't have any of the young, exciting players. Right, the the rosters do not include the likes of say a Trey Mancini. Okay. Um, secondly, the Orioles traded everyone away, everyone. So um, I have had to construct a roster that is you know like three or four guys, and then just like uh, uh, computer generated identities all throughout. 
And the really disappointing thing about this is that uh, my kid is Henry has walked by a couple times now uh, while I've been playing MLB The Show 2016 and has sat down to root for imaginary Oriole players. We rooted. We have been rooting for this dude named Kurt Fenn all week. Kurt Fenn? Kurt Fenn. F-E-N-N. We're Fenn fanatics. He's fantastic. It's great. He has given us more joy than the Baltimore Orioles. And that, that is the most 2018 sentence I could ever, ever say. So, Kurt Fenn, thank you for bringing me joy in this dark, dark Orioles season. Wow. Yeah. Um, Second thing. Do you remember, I need you to think way back. Okay. When we used to operate our blog as if it were a blog. Yeah. We wrote content for stuff people to read yeah yeah we used to read anymore <laughs> we used to, idiots <laughs> we used to put together top 10 list at the end of the season uh for the best and worst memories so we had a uh, top 10 and a, and a bottom 10 i guess um and it was like the best something or the worst something whether it be a, an at bat a play a game a call up a series an accomplished whatever um but frankly as you just mentioned we're not into doing work so i'm asking the birdland Listenership community, bird's eye viewers, please tell us what are your best and worst memories from this 2018 season? I want you to dig deep and make me hurt for those worst things. And for anything good that happened, you're going to make me go back and say, wait, did that really happen? So I want to, I want to build a top 10 crowdsourced, uh, list here the best and worst things that have happened so far this season and if you could do it in gifts we would highly recommend it if you can do it in iambic pentameter even oh, better you get double triple bonus points from jake english you on that one go back to uh, english lit and that that is our show so remember you can find this in our entire catalog of indispensable episodes at birds eye view baltimore dot com birds eye view is available for download wherever it is you get your podcast subscribe to the show on apple podcast stitcher google play music and many others Please remember to rate and review this show. We appreciate the feedback, and it encourages other people to listen for the first time. Come on. Get social with us. All the cool kids are doing it. You can email us at contact at com. You can find us on social media on Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat. But the best way to get a hold of us is on Twitter, where we tweet at birdseyeview, B-A-L. And with that, Baltimore and beyond, I will bid you all a fun, I do, I do. Good night, Baltimore. Be safe out there, especially in northern Baltimore. And let's go O's. Seriously, don't go at 4 o'clock in the morning. Stay away from up there, Cedric Mullins. We don't want you to get hurt. I got some beef with you. Okay. You said earlier that it was easy to put out content. Yeah. I think the 2018 Orioles would disagree. I think if there was an audience out there, no offense to all of you, um, we would be probably putting out more content. <laughs> We're just talking, guys. Don't listen. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. How many ways can you say they're terrible? Um, you know, if you ask the beat writers, they would say uh, control V. Control V. Oh, sorry. Control C, then control V. still here it's over
Go home. Go.